This episode is brought to you by Element, spelled L-M-N-T. What is Element? Let me tell you. It's a delicious, sugar-free, electrolyte drink mix. As a coach, we are constantly trying to find the best products for our athletes to train and compete at their highest level. Element is a great alternative to other commercial recovery and performance drinks and has enough sodium, potassium, and magnesium to get you feeling and performing your best. Plus, it has zero sugar, no artificial ingredients, and is gluten-free. With a variety of delicious flavors, you are guaranteed to find one your taste buds will love. I know our athletes love the citrus salt, while my favorite is grapefruit. We keep a variety box in the office, and our athletes stop by every day on their way to practice or games to load up. At this point, they won't even touch another product, and I am replenishing our supply on a weekly basis. Without amazing products and sponsors like Element, our podcast would not be possible. Right now, when you click on our affiliate link and place your first order, Element is giving us a 150% commission. That means if you spend $100, we get $150 to keep this podcast running. The best deal you can get is to buy an insider bundle. You buy three boxes, you get one free. And if you click our affiliate link, drinkelement.com slash justinclimo, we will get a commission and you will get a free sample pack with every purchase. Last thing, Element might have the best return policy on the planet. If you don't love it, you will be instantly refunded. Let's talk about sleep for a minute. I've had a terrible time getting productive rest and sleep for the last few years. And since poor sleep can lead to all sorts of health problems, I'm constantly on the hunt for a better night's sleep. Recently, I came across a new product called Beam Dream, which has delivered the best sleep I've had in a long time. The first time I tried it, I fell asleep on the couch within a half hour and didn't wake up until the next day. Since starting my new routine with Beam, my sleep performance has improved significantly according to both my Aura Ring and Whoop Band. Yes, I use both at once because why not have more data? If you are interested in upgrading your sleep, I invite you to try Beam Dream. Today, my listeners get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder their best-selling healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Now available in delicious seasonal flavors like cinnamon cacao, sea salt caramel, and white chocolate peppermint. Better sleep has never tasted better. A recent clinical study revealed that 93% of users wake up feeling more refreshed and 93% reported that Dream helped them get a more restful night's sleep. If you're looking for a way to get some rest and you have trouble sleeping, I highly recommend this product. If you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, take advantage of their biggest sale of the year and get up to 50% off for a limited time. When you go to shopbeam.com contacts, discount auto applied at checkout, no code is necessary. That's shopbeam.com contacts for up to 50% off. If you're a longtime listener, you might know that I've been drinking AG1 for a couple of years. If you're not a longtime listener, then know that I drink AG1 on a daily basis. When I first started drinking it daily, I could feel a real difference in my daily health. I had more energy, I felt more relaxed, I could focus better. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. 
Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter and better way to elevate your baseline health. I recommend AG1 to all of my family and friends because it has worked so well for me. So much so that my two eldest children have become regular users of the product. My daughter who has been studying abroad recently asked us to bring her more product when we went to visit her at Thanksgiving. My other daughter who's a freshman in college regularly contacts us to make sure we send her more product. AG1 has been transformational as it has replaced all of the needless ramekins of vitamins and minerals that I used to take. If you really want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com contacts. That's drinkag1.com contacts to order your own supply and start on your journey to better health. Welcome to the Contacts Coaching Podcast, dedicated to bringing you practical ideas from coaches, sharing what they have learned throughout their career. The show is designed to serve as a digital database of mentorship from a wide network of coaches whose innovative, reflective, and diverse knowledge may offer ideas to enhance your experience. In addition to sport-specific expertise, each episode also dives into the ways in which culture, strategy, and tactics can cross from one discipline to another. I'm your host, Justin Klein. Welcome back. Ken Manfredi to the Contacts Coaching Podcast. Coach Manfredi is the head basketball coach at Franklin High School in Elk Grove, California, a suburb of Sacramento. For those of you that are not from the area, he's also been instrumental in getting a number of guests to the show. It's been a while since we talked. Coach, thanks for jumping back on. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to catch up and hopefully have a great discussion. Let's do it. So do me a solid and give us the five second version of your track record without the depth that we covered on the first episode, which I will put in the show notes if you want to listen to the original and the composite episode we did with multiple coaches. But give us the quick five second version so we can dive into what's happening today. And is this my, my background journey or, or? Yeah, just the quick. The, the quickest thing for me is I'm a public high school basketball coach. And I have the honor of doing that at Franklin High School in Elk Grove. I'm a product of the Elk Grove Unified. I've been at Elk Grove High, Monterey Trail High, and now I'm at Franklin and this is year nine and it's a wonderful experience. Love it, that's perfect. So let's dive in. Last year, when we were last talking in depth about a season, even though we didn't record it, you were going through some growing pains with a very young squad. And this year you're sitting at 18 and four, four and two in the, formidable Delta League in Sacramento, which with the SFL are the two bullies on the block leagues if you're going to be playing basketball. What has shifted other than maturity and age, obviously, but what did you learn going through that buzzsaw last year with that young group that kind of opened your eyes to allow you to serve the group you have now? I think getting thrown in for some of my young guys and even my juniors were so-called thrown in because 
my senior group of five right now were grade level players at, at all aspects in middle school and high school and um, nothing wrong with that. Just taking the normal trajectory. So we were all thrown in and experience is a great teacher. So we went through it and we didn't feel like we were that far. The, probably the coolest experience of last year or the, in 2022, 2023 was we won our last three league games. We tied for a fourth place for fourth place in the Delta and four automatic bids currently is the structure stands. And Elk Grove and Davis, who we tied with, had one win above the tie. We did not. That's like the fourth tiebreaker in our league. And so we were disqualified from the coin flip. So Elk Grove and Davis go coin flip. And But that was a great teacher too, because we lost two games that were proved to be very instrumental in the end. So it taught us to reflect and it really helped set the way for what was a good summer last year. But we had a lot of injuries in the summer. So we didn't really showcase our full potential. But again, great opportunity to develop another set of group that wasn't injured and continued to allow us to go through it and get ready for this season. So again, it's just experience. And our young guys, we start three sophomores right now, one junior, one senior. So we're still young and we're still going through it. And with that comes some realities, but it's certainly exciting to watch the boys learn as they go. So let's dig in on that for a second. What's been noticeable for you as a coach as you reflect every day on what you're doing when you're coaching a young group? Let's call them inexperienced because it doesn't matter what age they are. You mentioned three sophomores, a junior and a senior, but you also mentioned grade level players. So having a lot of game minutes at the varsity level. But when you go back to some of your teams that were more senior heavy experientially, not just grade wise, but what's the biggest thing you've had to realize and adjust to meet the experience of the athletes that you're currently coaching and how you've had to change your mindset on that? I, I think I've just had to paint the picture as clear as possible. Here's where we're at. Here's where we're headed. And here's how we're going to approach that. And when you have that, like that type of group that's been through it and collectively together, and then even with you as a coach, there's times when it's very cool. And I can probably point to five experiences where coming out of a huddle, getting ready for overtime and having your leader say, coach, we got this. And boom, you step back and you're like, ownership transferred. And that's really, those are cool moments because that comes through time and that comes through losing, that comes through a little bit of heartache, a little bit of all of the above. Right now it's sort of projecting. And I've told the, the kids that I have right now that, we have everything we need to win in this locker room. And the only thing we don't have is just the time. And so I, I feel like I just need to paint the picture, whether it's preparing for a really hungry Coach Elkrove team on what to expect, or whether it's the ebb and flow of a season. And as we enter the second half of the season, which is where we're headed right now upon this recording, is what to expect in the second half of the season and how some teams are flatlining and how some teams are still getting better and how some teams drop off. So I think with experience, they know that more because they've been through that. So I just got to be more, more clear as a teacher and not get ahead of them. That's all. Perfect. So how do you do that? And what have you figured out through fumbling last year and this year to not get ahead of them? Because as I've shifted over to our girls team, 
I've already made a bunch of assumptions that we're at a place where we're not. And in the most pressure filled moments, it rears its head and you get these reminders like, oh, okay, we got to take a step back. So how do you? Well, through reflection and kind of visualization, to be honest. So what I mean by that reflection on, okay, how did our season go last year? How did our summer and fall go? And then visualizing, where do I expect this to go? And I'm still doing that as I get ready for each game. Like, what do I think might happen? And if that happens, how do we proceed? If it doesn't happen, what might be the circumstances that arrive? So I don't turn an, a, a potential, something that, that I could foresee into a learning moment rather than a disappointing moment. Or they're all frustrating when things don't go the way you want it to go. But when you play Jesuit, we lost to Jesuit, we lost to Sheldon. Two very senior teams that like have really good senior leaders. And so I knew that could be an issue when it proved to be. So rather than walking away from those games, like disappointed, it was, it was a barrier that I knew that we'd have to deal with. And I'm just thankful we get another crack at it because we're not as sophomoric as we were hopefully in the first half of the season or first half of the league. But I also pictured that league might go the way it's going right now. So in no way at four and two, am I disappointed? I'm we're right where I was hoping our boys would be. And that's a big shot in the arm as far as having the juice to try to finish this thing out. Yeah, no doubt. And and I want to go to that for a second too, right? Where it's, okay, you have expectations and you have the reality of where you are and what you're capable of in that moment, right? And you've, you've probably got some that you didn't deserve and probably dropped some that you, that you did deserve, right? Yeah. Or that you earned in that moment. But I want to go all the way back. So you're nine years at Franklin. I think you were like four or five at, at Monterey Trail, if I remember correctly. But what I'm curious about is how- What's four or five? What do you mean? At Monterey Trail. How long were you at Monterey Trail? 12 years. 12. Jesus. Okay. I was way wrong. Okay. So 12 okay. years at Monterey Trail, nine it's now. It's a blur. Good Lord, we're old. Okay. It means we're having fun. Come yeah. on. But you get to a point, coach, where you feel like you have some things figured out, right? And it's, here's how I coach. Here's how we're going to do things. Here's how we've always had success. And then boom, it's not working. So with your young group, with your teams that have been more senior heavy, what shifts have you had to make specifically that you can point to where it's just like, yo, I can't do that anymore. Like we are not prepared. We do not have the experience. We don't know how, whatever the point being where you had to like actually stop. I've always done run and jump full court. Boom. We are now playing this way. Not yeah. because I'm waving the white flag, not because I don't want to teach them, but because ultimately we don't have the bandwidth to handle. Yeah. Two things just jumped to my mind. One is more of the culture side and one's more the sort of strategic side. Uh, culture came first. It's That stuff's kind of always on my mind. We're working with young people and how to maximize what we got and how to minimize maybe what we're deficient in. With a young team, I, the old playbook is I got to control more. And I've just learned this group, they really like each other. They like to have fun. And so I've turned more over to them than I would have in the past. I would have been driving that thing. I would not have hit, I would not have just little things like pregame routines and rules about things that when you step back are not that significant, but can be significant if you give that to them and let them have a little ownership. So this group 
is help relax me a little bit because it's a good reminder that with youthfulness does come in experience, but it also comes fun. It's a fun little group. So with that, I've turned some things over, whether it's allowing them to listen to whatever music they want at certain times that I normally wouldn't allow because I would come in with more strategic stuff. And I think that just puts more weight on them. So we've done our like routines a little bit different and they've helped me to really step back and say, Hey, the biggest thing about this is having fun and creating just a positive life experience. So that, that part's been a little bit of a shift for me and I'm having fun doing that. And second, strategically, sometimes as coaches, we get very comfortable in what we do. So for the last three or four years, I've been really thinking about some things on the offensive side. And we're at this pivot point where I have a 6'6", 260-pound, four-year starter at the post. Great kid. He's just incrementally improved each step of the way and is having a very nice senior year. He's a back-to-the-basket type of player. And so many systems like have really opened up that how to best utilize that and marry that together. As I look to the present, but I also look to the future with skilled guards and less height. I've challenged myself this year to do a few things differently offensively. And I know as a coach, it's year one, it's version one. Like I know we have two to three years in that growth cycle, but how to do that and still take advantage of present day, who we are, the present has been a fun learning experience for me because as a teacher and a coach, like the last thing I ever want to do is stop learning and this is, I think sometimes we just need to challenge ourselves to where are we today and where do we think we're going tomorrow and what's the best vehicle for that? So if you're still running a gas car, you're going electric, you're doing a hybrid, what's best for you today, but also what's going to work tomorrow. And I'm trying not to just sit back in what we've always done, but I realize I can't have a construction project on the entire house. You have to go room by room, phase by phase, whether it is too difficult on your family because it displaces them or whether it's too difficult on your budget. Like there's a reason why you have to go piece by piece. And so we're going to, we're in a phase like that. And I am as a coach, but I feel like it's gotten me a lot of juice to continue to learn and ask questions and watch other coaches and just try to get better. That's all. On that. Yeah. How do you deal with the outside noise or even the inside noise when you're going through a period of struggle that you know are necessary bumps to plant seeds that are going to carry you through the next four years? And you've got some older kids that it's their last go round, right? And I had a conversation with one of my seniors yesterday where it's, look, I like where we're at. We got time. And it's, no, we don't. We got six games, eight games left. And yeah. you do, correct. But the rest of the team is young. And you're planting seeds that yeah. you're not going to see blossom until you're gone. And how do, you know, I need you to embrace that. How do yeah. you talk a little bit about over your career, how you've navigated those moments poorly and how you've navigated those moments well? It's a great question because it's a careful balancing act because you're right. It's hard for a senior. I would say the majority of my seniors right now are, they're not starters. One of them is. So one of the five is starting. And, but I'll tell you, there's so much emphasis in what we do outside of just the court, as far as what kind of person you are, what kind of student you are, 
or what you're trying to be. And this is more of a credit to the kids I'm working with right now. They've embraced those roles and are great on the bench and ready to come in when they get those minutes. Um, so I feel just nurturing the relationship and each relationship is a little bit different based on timeline of where they're at in their playing days is allows you to earn that trust that they still know that you have your, their best interest in mind. So again, from the beginning part of most every season, but definitely this season was, you know, every player on this team is of equal importance, but every player on this team has a different role. And so then it's on me and my coaches to really communicate and then nurture that relationship and that communication path with that player. But as a coach, it doesn't always work perfectly. And you just have to circle back and have communication and paint the picture on what life lessons this is connected to. And at, at some point you leave it to the individual that he or she is going to be able to see that or see the value of that and still be a part of the team. A, a motto we had this year was, you know, teammates, team, and self, just a Navy motto of ship, shipmate, self. Somebody might've said it on your podcast. I, I don't know. I read it. I said it, or you might've said it, or we all learned from each other. And that hit me and said, that's really good for my team this year. Um, and we've really held on to that and how important that is. If, if we can really see this out, that we'll all benefit, not just today, but tomorrow and into the future. There's times when I haven't handled it where maybe I've been too strong-willed or too stubborn and just said the kids got figured out and maybe left that kid to stand out and focus more on the pack, if you will, and that he will come to the pack and I think a lot of times, even thinking about my situation right now, like there's always, there's often external stuff too, just other things that are going on in their life. So sometimes if we look at just like the basketball piece, we might be missing a more important element of need. And it's just a good reminder for us as coaches, head coaches, assistant coaches, that just that relationship, the relationship piece is just the most important part because we're in a people business. That's where I lean on and you hope your investment in maybe the lean years or your investment in the summertime when the lights aren't as bright and you can get a little more creative and you have more flexibility with your rotations. Maybe you just hope that investment is what ties the knot or carries you through in those situations. For sure. And we talked the first time on the pod about the, the culture that you strive to create in your program. And we don't need to get in the weeds on that. But one of the things that I found myself <laughs> let's say consulting on this year, advising on with one of our programs was you can't sacrifice culture to potentially win an extra game when you're talking about maybe a senior that is having an average performance and you got a younger kid that maybe has the potential to be really good and you got three games or four games left in the season and you're just looking to throw that kid under the bus. It's ride this thing out, man. Because yeah. you, you've invested in this kid. And if you throw him up, if you get rid of him to move this kid up, all of a sudden, what's that message you're sending to all these other kids, right? Talk a little bit about how over your career, you've had to lean on some of those things and, and potentially not necessarily win a game or whatever adversity you want to face. But it was like, hey, you know what? The longstanding history and culture of the program is more important than getting this win right now. Yeah, it's there's been situations where I had a returning all-league player that we moved away from at years ago 
I've had that with coaches as well. And while the short-term benefit potential of benefit or gain is greater, if don't draw the line in the sand and make compromises, the future success is just not sustainable or the culture, the ability of the culture to thrive would not be sustainable. And we as coaches, like we know that we definitely know that it's just as leaders, it's those can be tough decisions because we usually know the implications of that. And often sometimes you get worse before you get better, but it's potentially leveled the field and allows you to clean up and move forward the way that usually what needs to be done. But you're also balancing that you're working with a teenager or maybe a younger coach or, and you also want to help them grow. So you have to sit back and I think assess, have I allowed them to grow and have they had a chance to get a second or third chance? And if I've given them a second or third chance, have I given them opportunities to move forward, but yet been clear with the consequences if X and Y are not realized or seen. So those are difficult moments. And as a younger coach, when more of those, I think happened, you got to have a lot of energy for that because it, your path forward sometimes can take a, your present status can sometimes take a hit because not everybody on the outside knows what what's really going on. You got to confer with your administration. You got to confer with your athletic director. You need to involve the parents. There's you need to involve your coaching staff. That's a lot. It's a lot of energy. Fortunately, but I think experience has taught me maybe not to harp on certain things as much as I used to. That those aren't as frequent. But I know as a coach, because we're dealing working with young people, that those can strike at any time. And when they do, I think it's how we as leaders handle that. Um, so sometimes if a fire strikes and you fight the fire with fire, then you have a, a brush fire turns into a three alarm fire. <laughs> and I think as a younger coach, sometimes I did that, to be honest. And that's intensity and passion that is not checked with proper sleep sometimes, a wide enough perspective, and then just experience and wisdom a little bit. So there, those are, I think of several experiences when you ask that question. So nowadays I'm a little more poised and I'm not a perfect product of being poised because there's passion and intensity. And, but I try to remind myself of that when dealing with situations, whether it's in a game and the often more important situations outside of a game. Yeah. And I think ultimately that's the, the growth and maturity of years of having reps and getting wisdom versus having knowledge that we were educated with. And it's, I did it this way before and it blew up. Yeah. Let me take a pause and yeah. let me think about the different ways to handle this. And I think there's, every group's different and every situation you're dealing with different successes, you're dealing with different problems. And you said earlier, we're in the people business, right? So as you navigate a roster of 12 to 15 or whatever you happen to have, every one of those kids is having a different perception of their own experience and how do you gain the perspective to understand what they're going through right and before we started recording we were talking about how to tap in with kids and see how they're doing given what they're carrying off the court and you just said hey I gotta I gotta do this next week right and I gotta figure out how I can 
make sure I'm meeting them where they are. How would you say your successes and failures in having those individual relationships, right? Teammate, team self, where it used to be team, right? And then teammate, right? And how you've shifted that model and how it's affected your approach to individual check-ins and and what's happened as a result of that. I think because... I, I'm still a huge teammate, team, or you know, team, teammate self, but the energy level and amount of awareness that I do have for teammates and for the self, because I think if I nurture those two correctly, that the team part, then you experience the the potential of that team. So collectively, I I'm team team, but you got to build in visits and time and check-ins with the selves on that team all the time. And I think in my younger days, I probably didn't allow for those opportunities as much because it's like everything was, you got to meet us. And today, and post COVID, we've learned that there's many times we need to meet them. And again, help paint the picture that, they what they can contribute to that greater good to that team so as much as i say team teammate self i can't be um you know ignorant or unaware of how important you know teammates and self are to the team um so again circling back i don't my mind just erased um sorry i want to give you a prompt here yeah, and, and it's gonna it's gonna steer us to probably bring you back to whatever it is you were thinking yep. about. But you have your eldest child who's graduated from college is in the profession now. You've got a senior in high school and you've got a freshman in high school. When we last talked, and even as you started your career, you're dealing with little kids or no kids or whatever, and now you've seen them go through. What did you learn? through that experience, what have you learned? What are you still learning watching your children go through this that directly impacts your own choices as a coach where it's like, damn, I used to think it was this way. Now I'm watching my kid go through this over here and have this challenge. I need to change how I'm handling this. Yeah. I think we learn too that each child is different. And then early on you struggle with, yeah, but I was like this and this is how I was raised and this is what I did. And so you you conquer all those thought patterns that and preconceptions that you might have. And then you realize the, the the making of the product that each kid has a different path, each kid has a different interest level. And like your own team, you've got to weave that together most successfully to make things work and make sure everybody feels included and validated and and as parents, we know that like no two children are the same. And sometimes your approach to each child has to vary a little bit. And older, I don't know if I'm in that category yet, but like that same thing with coaching, like yesteryear most used to be more about this is how we do it. And you meet us and this and that. And so whether it's coaching or parenting, you just realize your roster varies with whatever the size of your family is there four or five different individuals and how do we collectively make this work and and enjoy the experience along the way instead of fight it yeah but i was this way and or your older brother was this way or and i think that then takes away from the experience the growth and then 
happy, live in the would have, could have, should have world rather than the enjoy the ride world. Yeah. And if we point to your kids' personal experiences in each of their athletic experiences or even school student experiences, can you point to a few specifics where it was just talking to your own children gave you some aha moments into some maybe shifts that you wanted to make based on what they were going through? For example, watching my senior last year, who's a freshman in college now, go through her seasons and watching the struggle of communication and culture and the way in which that was more of a struggle for her than their win-loss record. And coming into it this year when I was then taking over that program, my number one deal was obviously we want to try to win games, but I want to make sure I get the culture right and love on the kids and do the things that they weren't missed, but there was a miscommunication a lot of times that was for me now behind the scenes going, damn, okay, this is where I got to put my energy, not over here. And again, you've got four years of one who's a senior, four years of the other one who's in college plus college, and now one that's going through it as a freshman, right? Yeah. What, what have you learned specifically? Dang, I had to be the support person here and that yeah. informed my approach over here. So I played for my father in the late 80s and early 90s. So that was a very formative experience for me, not just when I played for him, but like growing up and like tugging on his leg and going to his practices and losing my voice at road games and trying to get opponents to miss free throws and celebrating when they won as a child and crying when they lost and all of that. So I had that sort of experience under my belt. And then I get to coach, I get the great opportunity of coaching my oldest and then I get to have a second experience with my middle child, both boys. And my oldest was, he wasn't our best player. And sometimes that first go around, you're so worried about the optics of the outside. And But I think people that know me that went through that and they know that I was completely fair and fair in the sense is you're going to get the opportunities that you deserve and that you earn. And Sometimes that's more minutes here and more minutes there. And I, I think in that experience, it was just trying to take away pressure from both parties because you have to realize that there's not just pressure on you, the coach slash leader, but on the child because you're the coach's son. Like the locker room's different when dad or coach is around and it's different when he's not around. And so there were experiences in that that were learning lessons. I think when you did a decent job, when they go off and they go to their next experience and things really go well. And my oldest, he's in the profession now. He, he coaches and you look back and you, you realize you did some things well, and you did some things that you probably wouldn't do again. And you hope you get the opportunity to redo that or get another crack at it. And that's the same thing with any team that you have is you hope to next season, you get an, a chance to do some things that worked well and improved some things that didn't work well. And now with my middle child, he's a senior. And I think he's a guy that comes off the bench, but he's done a great job in the role that he has. And he's overcome a really bad injury that cost him about six or seven months. And there's a lot of lessons that go with that, that we as coaches have seen other athletes go through. So again, you just try to paint the picture of the timeline and here's where you can be an all-star in your role. And you hope they make those choices. And then you compliment the successes and help them work through the trials and tribulations. So I'm still going through that right now. And it's a great honor to be able to try to navigate that. 
I don't know if I have all the answers to like all those situations. I just try to be my genuine self and allow them to be a big part of that experience for themselves. Yeah. And I don't know that any of us have all the answers, but yeah. you you have more information when they are involved, right? So you take both of your sons yeah. who played for you and them being on the team, regardless of their role, gives you more insight into your team because they're involved, right? And so you get yeah. the, it, it's not, okay, I've got 12 kids, none of whom are related to me that I'm coaching. And I might not have the same feedback loops as I do when my son's coming home and bitching to his mom about something that coach did at practice, which then yeah. finds its way back to you, which wouldn't have found its way back to you beforehand. Right. So yeah. even again, I don't know if your daughter's involved in athletics or whatnot, but it, as she is, you're at the school site, things come to you that you normally wouldn't have any information on that you can then maybe offer. Hey, coach Johnson, just FYI, this is yeah. what was shared. You, you might yes. want to address this from a standpoint of our blinders are on right coach. And it's like, how is that? having kids go through high school allowed you to better serve that group, not because they're throwing people under the bus, but because you have a better pulse on stuff because it's happening in your own house. Correct. Yeah. I see that academically that, that Franklin high is a good academic school and kids want to go to college and uh, the, those that came before them have done well. There's a lot of really good activities and programs on campus. And so there's pressures that go along with that. There's kids that take a lot of AP classes to the point where Ooh, watching other students navigate that path and then seeing your own go through that, you walk away and you're like, I'm pretty darn impressed with those children that I've worked with that have gone through that path. And now those children that are in my household that are going through that path. And that doesn't come without sacrifice. It doesn't come without stress. It doesn't come without major commitment. It doesn't, that's hard. And then you're trying to be a teenager at the same time and you're trying to be a teammate at the same time you just learn having kids you learn that they go through a lot we have a lot of expectations as adults whether it's parents or teachers or coaches and i think a lot of times we gloss over oh it, it's not hard to get an a or a b and we're in, we're importing our expectations and the academic expectations from me in the 80s and 90s as a student they are so much greater today i took one ap class in high school i've I've got children after 10th grade that have taken twice as many as I have. I've got plenty of students that are making that balance between being a committed varsity athlete and being a committed student athlete and trying to put themselves in a position to earn a collegiate experience or have options at the end of their high school experience. So you learn empathy and understanding on how much goes into that. So last term, my team had an overall GPA of a 3.63. And seriously, I'm just outstanding. So I got to broadcast that. I got to share that with our staff. I got to share that with my players. I got to share that with each individual player that helped make that happen. And you sit, step back and you're like, how many kids got a 4.0? It's just, and then you look back, how you win it. That's a big part. These kids are getting it done and they're, showing up to practice. They're not late. They're working hard. How do you not love those kids? And it doesn't mean that every kid is earning that 4.0 because of course you've got a few that are, there's a few more challenges and you have to be able to support that child in a very highly competitive athletic and academic setting and give him or her what they need instead of looking back at, oh, that's bringing us down. 
Why can't he just get A's and B's? And that's pretty hard. That can be hard at times. So anyways, I, you gain a greater understanding of what kids go through academically, the pressures socially, because those come in your roof. You hear about those more than you hear about even the other players that you're coaching and trying to balance like the path they're creating for their future and the pressure that comes along with that of just being successful someday. So it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And kids are very resilient and I think they're very impressive. Yeah, I do too. And I, the reason I ask is as our, our kids are similarly aged, I, I just yep. put two through, I've got an eighth grader. So we're on the same trajectory. And what I learned watching my daughters go through their senior years was the deference with which I treated the college application process for the first however many years of my career. Yep. It's, it's yo, whatever, figure it out. And then yeah. watch my daughters go through it. It was yeah. like, good Lord, this oh. on top of their course load, on top of their sports commitment. A hundred percent. Yeah. So and now we, I look back and whether it's with my oldest and, and I'm like, Darnie did a good job, real good job. And then you look back at some of your players, like, yeah, you just thought, hey, fill out the application. Come on, let's meet this deadline, this and that. And now I'm going through it again with my middle child. And there's a lot that goes with that, with not well, just the deadlines and the essays and the letters of rec. And here's a specific coach that that I want to point out. And I don't know yeah. how you navigate this now, but I had a gal on my team this year who's a senior who's super high academic, probably in the top 10 in the school involved in mock trial, plays a couple sports. Yep. She's the leader of the Latinx affinity group. And as we're back in November and we got like a morning practice or whatever, she's coach, I got to be up late finishing these apps and I got to drive 45 minutes to get to school. Yep. Is it cool if I don't come in the morning? And I was like, yeah, don't get your stuff done. Yeah, I'll see you Monday. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> off the team. And it's like that shift. Hey, I don't think I would have been there had my kids not gone through that same process. 100%. Totally. The same thing with the ups and the downs with the, the social side of things. And yeah, look, we learn as much or more through their experience. And if we didn't, then I think that would be the failure. All right, yeah. great. Let's dig into this then. And, yep. and as a public school guy who is serving a certain clientele, and I got my own I had another experience yesterday where I had a kid who couldn't come to our game because they had a wilderness first aid responder 16-hour course that they had to do. And if they had missed to go to our game, they would have failed and couldn't go on the wilderness trip. And yep. it's cool, whatever. But years ago, it would have been like, hell no, choose. Yeah. So what are some things that you've bumped into over the last few years where you were used to be here and now it's no problem, I got you? Yeah, there's... I had a student last year who he did everything and in, in every UC app, every, any part-time work and he had the AP classes and very similar to what you just mentioned. And just learning like, um, where's his path? It's probably not the NBA, but his path is so strong in where he was headed. That accommodation is not asking too much. And bringing- I think the biggest deal, Ken, is- is there's a difference between a kid being a flake and, and yeah. just like not doing what they're supposed to. Yeah. He had two feet in a hundred percent. He had two feet in. It's just that he had two feet in and about seven different things. And if there are things that are not like going to serve him, then you're questioning the overcommitment. But when that's, what's going to make him make a big positive impact, 
in the direction that he's headed, then that's an easy accommodation. But yes, I agree. 10, 15 years ago, it was like, no, you read the handbook, Like The handbook says you don't miss practice. And so then you learn that the handbook is typed in black, but sometimes needs to be interpreted in gray. <laughs> so no doubt. My handbook is still pretty thick and it's got a lot and probably too much, um, but it's a nice guide. So it probably should be called the, our, our student athlete guide. Yeah. Yeah. Rather yeah. than handbook or, or don't call it contract. I'd yeah. even, even say on that note, I, I would venture to guess that the athletes know that guy's all in and he has other things that he's also committed to. Correct. And you probably lost zero social capital with your team. Yep by meeting that kid where they were than if you go back 15 years and I kicked Johnny off the team because he didn't come. 100%. Yeah. It, the team will fully support him needing to be away because they know who he is and what he's about and what value he adds to each role that he plays. Uh, where if you deny that, oh, you've lost your locker room. Like you, you might've lost that season at that point because they know what you're taking him or her away from. So when he or she is gone, yeah, you're involving the team. Look, here's where he's at today. And and they know that. They know that he's got this and this. So I think that earns you more of your locker room because they learn that you're truly supporting the whole kid, not just the point guard or whatever role he plays on your team. Yeah, and I love that that's something that we both come to realize. What are some other situations that you can offer that – you wish you had had 20 years ago that would have allowed you to realize I'm going to, I'm going to give you like, again, this just popped into my head. This is how much things have changed. This is going to be a good laugh for the, for the community here. Uh, We, we, I let go of a guy one time because he didn't take a shower after the game. What? 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 (laughs) And you know what? Uh, and there was some defiance. There was, this was, we had our rules. This is when you showered after every game. That's because that's what we did. And there was some defiance. No, I'm not this. And the team, come on, we're all, we all do this before we hop on the bus. And, and again, this is 20 years ago. And then you run into him and he's coach, man. I don't know why I didn't listen. I should have just showered. And I'm like, I don't know why I was so strict about that. It shouldn't have been a big deal. Like here we are meeting in the middle, but we both did learn from that outrageous experience. And, and so you hug him up and, and just say, you helped me become a better coach because that doesn't matter. That really, and I'm not saying showering is not important. I'm not saying hygiene is not important. Okay. But just being so strict about something that is small, that, that could be taken care of maybe somewhere else. And maybe there were some reasons for why that didn't happen and not investing the time to better understand that and say, look, train's moving. If you're not on board and you're not, you know, sitting like every other passenger, then the the train has left the station. So that's embarrassing to say. It's comical to say. There were some other factors with that, but would I ever want to have that rule today? No. Would I ever be that strict? No. Would I ever not check in and realize that there's probably other ramifications for what's going on? So you can't get that back, but what you can get is you better going forward. And you could also get that when I saw this former player is that you meet in the middle and you 
he comes to you saying, hey, I should have done this. And I come right back to him. I should have done this and this. And so you realize that both parties have grown and there's some coming together in that moment. There's some laughter in that moment, but you realize that we're both human beings. And with that comes some decisions that in retrospect are just absolutely outrageous. No doubt. And the, the part you just mentioned about having the vulnerability to acknowledge your role in it and, and all of us, right? That's yeah. the leadership that the, the athletes are looking for and that the young adults are looking for. And it's, I'm sure there are still some things that it's not, I was right. They were wrong, but there's also some other ones where it's, well, you know yeah, what? It's, kind of different. it's coming home from Del Oro high school when I'm in my first or second year, probably second year at Monterey trail as a new school that got shoved into a league that had a spot available. It happened to be one of the toughest leagues in town. And our average trip was 45 minutes each way. So we're in the bus every time. And again, it sort of supported the shower part, but again, that's a long time ago. And coming home from one of those trips and we're going right to the practice gym. It's because I, my ego was crushed or my expectations were like way too significant. And you just don't realize like how, foolish that is and what are you getting out of that right like i've never done that since then but and part of you was like this is what we did right this is what our coaches did or so you just you learn through that you reflect and you serve your present and future community better by not doing those things and i think to that note it's funny because i was just talking yesterday after our game where I was telling my assistant, man, back in the good old days, this would have been like, we're going back to the gym and we're running. And yeah. it's like, why would you ever do that? And I remember Tyler, who's our head boys coach now, played for me at El Camino. And that his junior year, we had played a game and it was like, we should have been up 100 and we weren't. And it was like, every point they score after this, we're going in the other gym and running. And after the game, it was like, Go. It's next door. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> it's, I think back on that and it's, that's a memory all those kids will have that they chuckle about now, but it's yeah. like in the same time, it's like, what did, how did we think that would be beneficial rather than going to each other? Well, like, how and can those kids start? come back, they come back and they're, they have more perspective and life experience so they can see, and they know that you meant best. So they give you a pass and they've learned from where you were trying to come from. But in the moment, yeah, probably not. Also, they come back and say, gosh, coach, you're soft now. And I say, ah, I'm just smarter now. Let's reverse that. Should I be doing that again? Probably not. You and I both know that. So if you want to interpret that as soft, I'm trying to interpret that as smart and maybe more efficient and maybe just more aware. <laughs> and I would say, so what does that look like now? So I have an example the other day where... I had a kid who's super quiet, young, text me late. Hey, can we watch some films so I can see what I did that I can be better? I was like, absolutely. So Love let's it. Watch it. And yeah. the next day where we're watching the film and there's an interaction with my assistant. And I'm like, hey, what is coach saying to you right there? And she's, she's just asked me if I'm my head's in the game. And I'm like, what do you think I would have said there? <laughs> I don't know. And I would have said probably something like, hey, stop being soft. And then yeah. I paused and I was like, hey, actually... Now that we're here, 
what's the best way to coach and communicate with you? And she's just be direct. So stop being soft yeah. would work. She's absolutely. Yeah. But it's like, how many yeah. times do we go to our kids, especially the ones that maybe aren't getting the message and figure out what's the best button to push by asking them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're establishing that sort of that contract or that best practice between you. Yeah, I think if you, know, you get to the end of the meeting, you have postseason meetings with your players. And if you learn that, it's darn it. That would have been very valuable for your growth, our growth, our success, et cetera. Yeah, it, the, these are all part of the journey, right? And obviously neither of us, which is super important for the younger coaches in the community you've created is, Look, we're all a work in progress. That whole, the moment you think you figured out, you realize nothing. Like, look, I still carry a backpack every day because I'm a student. I tell that to my students all the time. I'm just like you. I'm just a little bit older. Like the moment I stop reading and stop watching and stop asking questions and stop being reflective, it's the moment I need to get out of education. And the moment I need to stop coaching, the more honest you are about all of that stuff as a coach, as a teacher, as a parent, I think the more connection you get with who you're working with so still learning yeah still let me, learning. Ask, let me ask something that just came to me because processing things as adults ourselves in our own environment and wondering how the students are receiving it and, and sincerely i hadn't thought about this till you were just talking but we we have some success we do some things right and then we screw something up and we tend to focus on on getting that right rather than okay here's all the things we did well it's or to one negative piece of feedback out of 10, right? And it's our kids are probably doing the same thing. So how often, <laughs> this is me talking out loud to myself and just letting you listen. I know I am not going back to them enough and saying, hey, yeah, you screwed this up, but look, here's all the things you did well and you got to really let this one go. What? Talk a little bit about your experience with that or maybe some realizations you've had because I'm just sitting here talking to you going, like, damn, I got to have a follow-up with all my kids and remind yeah, no, them of I, all the I, things I, they're doing. My, well. my wheels are turning right now, like about a couple touch points that I need. Friday night, last day and a half ago, I've complimented my team on how well we're shooting the ball in league and we're the best three-point shooting team. And but I'm trying to inject them with that confidence as we go on the road. And look, here's what we've done to date that's really worked for us. And here's what it's going to do to help us tonight. And, but here's things that, that are our priorities. And sure enough, we go over 12 from three point land that night. And, and they laughed at me. They, they coach, you jinxed us. Heck, you told us how good of shooters we were. We couldn't hit the barn that night. And uh, we went 11 for uh, 26 from the free throw line. It's a good shooting team, but we're on the road and tough place to play. And we squeak out a one point win in overtime against a team that played better than us and deserved to win. But a couple important players made some couple important plays in those critical moments to put ourselves in a position to, to try to get that win or steal that win. But it was funny feedback that my players gave me. And here's my strategy of psychology of taking pressure off them, reminding them of what they're really good at. And, but then they give me feedback, coach shouldn't have done that coach. It's, okay. So I've learned that maybe I need to give the, a little more emphasis to the construction, the, the constructive points on Here's what we need to do to continue to get better. So here I am thinking I had the answer. I'm alleviating pressure for a big road game. They got a great home environment at Elk Grove with their student section. We had tons of fans that were coming because they're really enjoying this season. And here they are telling me like, 
which is good because they're hungry for what they want to get better at. And I might have misjudged that a little bit. Or not. And it was a fluke. But at the end of yeah. the day, what's the takeaway? It is a balancing act at all times. And well, the takeaway is next game, we're not going to shoot like that. Like, like <laughs> you're shooting those same shots. Like, because you're still a really good shooting team. So now I got to be aware of the psychology of are we hesitant and all that. So fun. Like, that not that fun? That's really cool to, like, try to pull strings. And again, look, we get way too much credit. We get way too much criticism. So we're in between that as coaches because they're the ones out there doing it on the court and trying their best. So anyways, it's fun. That part's fun. Let's wrap with this. What would you say is the most significant thing that you have learned this year going through your journey with this team? And while you're thinking about it, I'll give you mine. For those that aren't aware, I shifted over to the girls' side after eight years with the boys and the most significant thing I am learning is that I don't know shit. And, <laughs> and I do, but yes, figuring, right. figuring out how to deliver messages and communicate in a world where my athletes really want to be told what to do and have binary answers to things where I am a guy that lives in the conceptual world and the answer is always, it depends, has been a real challenge for me. And it's something I'm still trying to figure out. Hang in there because I've heard such wonderful things that, from coaches that have made that shift from boys to girls and what they valued. And it's, it's like all of us as head coaches, we probably should do that at some point, just like all of us as a varsity coach, like you have to coach youth basketball at some point. You have to run a tournament. I think you should. You need to run a summer camp. And now you don't need to do this all at the same time. That, that's pretty hard. And you and I probably have tried to do that at times. But those are all like experiences that make you better, like flat out. So hang in there on that because like that, I want to circle back on that conversation in a year or two. What I'm right now for me, balancing and blending passion and perspective and like in the moment, because I have a group that is hanging around two heavies that have historically been at the top of our league and we're not far away. And not just, we were right there, like that the push to try to be in title contention and to make something really special that they'll have a lifelong memory that they have earned, but also balancing perspective and just fun and the experience in that pursuit and trying not to let either one of those two overwhelm or get disconnected. So where in the past, like I will go too hard with that will to try to help that team win a championship or help that team, whatever that championship is, let's be honest. It, it could be third place for that team, for your particular team, whatever your championship is. And so sometimes like I will not blend that correctly. And then you look back and you realize maybe that wasn't realistic or whatnot. Anyways, I'm trying to push, 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 but also enjoy every second of that without it taking away from either of the two. We'll see where this experiment ends up and lands, but either way, I'm going to hug these guys. I'm going to high five these guys and I'm going to rock with them, whatever direction or whatever result ends up. That's where I'm talking to myself a lot internally is enjoy the ride, have fun, 
But at the same side, at the same token, hey, these are good young basketball players. They can play and they're getting better. So let's go. <laughs> let's give this thing a go. We'll see where it lands. I'm excited to watch. You guys are rolling and the next couple of years are going to be fun to see where the Wildcats end up. So I appreciate yeah. taking time on a Sunday morning to get back Thank on. You. And I'm sure we're going to talk soon. Hey, it's good to catch up, man. I, I love, obviously we've talked about this, what you're doing and, and what you've done. And knowing you, there's some creative energy going on that who knows where the next avenue is, but I enjoy like plugging in. It's a good mental rep for me just to hear like how other coaches think and the experiences they've gone through. And then this, Justin, is a huge reason why you've done this is we realize there's so many shared connections. We feel like we're in a silo. Mm -hmm. Like we'll be afraid to tell that shower story or mm -hmm. whatever. And you realize like we've gone through a lot of shared experiences. Um, and also a lot of us have the same intentions in mind. So like through a community, we can realize, hey, let's all keep doing what's best. Let's keep serving our customers as they're trying to figure out life as a 15 or 16 year old or 17 year old. Hey, what a responsibility that we have. And I love it. Yeah, it's a good thing. Eddie wants to get on here and just tell a bunch yeah. of stories. And I told him, look, we're not trying to get fired yet. We have to wait till we retire to do that podcast. But we had hey, a couple well, we of good had, ones. We had today. the honor of playing Eddie this year. He does yeah. a great job. You know that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All so. right. Talk soon. All right. Thanks, Justin. This episode is brought to you by Element, spelled L-M-N-T. What is Element? It's a delicious sugar-free electrolyte drink mix. As a coach, we are constantly trying to find the best products for our athletes to train and compete at their highest level. Element is a great alternative to other commercial recovery and performance drinks and has enough sodium, potassium, and magnesium to get you feeling and performing your best. Plus, it has zero sugar, no artificial ingredients, and is gluten-free. With eight delicious flavors, you are guaranteed to find one your taste buds will love. I know our athletes love the citrus salt. We keep a variety box in the office and our athletes stop by every day on their way to practice and games to load up. At this point, they won't even touch another electrolyte product. Without amazing products and sponsors like Element, our podcast would not be possible. Right now, when you click on our affiliate link and place your first Element order, Element will give us 100% commission. Last thing, Element might have the best return policy on the planet. If you don't love it, you'll be instantly refunded.